Galatians chapter 3, verse 23, through to chapter 4, verse 7. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, and he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I'm always reluctant to tell these stories. Um... Because I know that sometimes my mum listens to the messages. Not every week, but she listens to some. So if you happen to be listening this week, mum, I love you. And um, always always have, always will. Now, um, when we were growing up as kids, our parents used to give us a dollar a week pocket money when we got to a certain age. Who got pocket money here? Some of you did, some of you didn't. Now, I sort of... As kids do, we sort of took a survey amongst other kids at school as to who, who got more and who got less pocket money. And we sort of discovered that a lot of the kids, not all of them, but a lot of them were actually getting $5 a week pocket money. So, of course, we sort of hit mum and dad up for a pay rise once, as you do. Uh, every, anybody ever been hit up for a pay rise from their kids? No, well, we, we were like that. We did that. And they said, well, you'll have to work for it. Well, that's all right. We've been working for the dollar a week. But, yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll work for it for the extra dollar. So, right, well, what, what do you want us to do? Right, stick picking. Okay, so we spent a full Saturday stick picking, the whole day. And uh, that week we got $2 pocket money <laughs> instead of one. So growing up as a farmer's son or a farmer's daughter, different people have different experiences. Uh, some of my peers that I grew up with had a real sense of privilege. Uh, it was, they were almost like the, you know, the landed gentry spoiled brats, right? You, you, most of us here have grown up in country towns. We know the sort of person we're talking about. And others, I think I might have fitted into this category, well, we're pretty much the lowliest worker on the farm. Uh, the word slavery comes to mind. And, and that's where my mind went when I was reading this passage today when when Paul said I mean that the heir as long as he is a child is no different to a slave 
though he is the owner of everything. Right? So one day that child might grow up and, and, and rule the whole farm and he'll be the boss of all the workers on that farm. But not yet. Because while he's a child, there's guardians and there's managers who will oversee him and train him and so that one day he'll be able to actually run the enterprise. But for now, he's little more than a slave. And the most menial of tasks is where he begins. Today, we're going to be talking about adoption and sonship. And I'm going to be really blunt here, and some folk might even hate me for saying it, but for us to, to really understand this, we seriously have to get away from our postmodern ideas of justice and equity and that the way that, for us, they revolve around sameness, right? And, and particularly for us, we, we need to step back from any of our current understandings of sons versus daughters, male versus female, glass ceilings and misogynistic paradigms, because to understand what Paul's saying here, we have to enter into the world as it was in Paul's day. And we have to grapple with the word of God this morning, knowing that it was written in Paul's day and, and from the worldview of people in his day. Right? So things have changed a lot today. But in the ancient world, it was the firstborn son who was truly privileged. Um, and we sort of like to think that today perhaps it might be more equality, sons versus daughters. But, but even today, farmers have a saying, it's cheaper to pay for a wedding than it is to buy a farm. Right? You've heard that saying? Of course, for those who don't understand that, that comes from the, from the idea that, okay, we have to, the bride's parents have to pay for a wedding and, oh, that's a lot of money. But no, it's nowhere near as expensive as having to try and buy a farm for the son to, to inherit. And if you're a girl, please don't get cranky with me. That's just the way it was in the past and the way it still is a fair bit today. To be an heir is truly a privilege. And in Paul's culture, to be an heir meant being a son. As a child, the heir would live under a guardian. They'd be pretty much a slave. But when the heir was no longer a child, when the heir had become an adult, they had the full privilege and the full rights of sonship. No longer would they be pretty much a slave. They would become the boss of those who were once the boss over them. What's Paul's point? In verse 26, he says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. All right? We need to understand this. Before we came to faith in Christ Jesus, not one of us, whether we be men or whether we be women, not one of us was a son of God. Right? Those who were living as Jews used to like to think that they were living as sons of God, but they weren't. They were like children living as slaves under the law, which was their guardian. And the law was there to keep them in order until the time that Christ would come. 
But now things have changed. Now the time has come and God has sent his son, his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to redeem us and to buy us back so that we might receive adoption as God's sons. To be adopted as a son of God means to be given all of the rights and all of the privileges of a son. Now, it's quite a common formula in kids' stories and fairy tales to be given the image of somebody who's sort of tacked on into a family, right? I'm not going to ask here who feels like they belong in their family or who feels that they probably don't really belong. We're not going to ask that. But it's a pretty common theme in, in kids' stories books, right? So think of the ugly duckling, right? We've got this, this little baby swan stuck into a family of ducks and it never really feels like it truly belongs. And it gets teased by the other ducklings. And yes, it is part of that family, but it doesn't really fit in. And it's not fully accepted. Well, think of Cinderella, right? So Cinderella gets mistreated by the ugly stepsisters. She's part of this family, but she doesn't really belong. She doesn't have the same rights and the same privileges as the ugly stepsisters. The only thing she's got going for her is she's not called ugly. But, and so in their eyes, Cinderella, you have to be our slave. You have to mop the floor. No, you cannot go to the ball because you don't have time for that. You've got to help us get ready for the ball. And then, oh, sorry, you don't have time. Oops. Or think of even a more modern fairy tale. Think of Harry Potter. There he is, the nephew who lives in the cupboard under the staircase. There he is once again, part of a family, but not really. He's seen as a slave and he's definitely not treated as a son. Three different fairy tales. Now, if Gentile Christians, non-Jewish Christians, are adopted into the family of God, is that the way that we're adopted into the family of God? We're the ugly duckling. We don't really belong or like Cinderella or or stuck in the cupboard under the stairs. No, not at all. To be adopted as sons of God means not at all that we're on the outer. It means that we are brought completely into the family of God because it's through God's son that we become his sons. He fills us with his Holy Spirit which is the spirit of his son, and the spirit of his son becomes a part of who we are. And that's how God brings us so fully and totally into, our, into his family. He says in chapter 4, verse 6, And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son than an heir through God. You know, when some of us come to church, we we sort of just dabble around the edges. We don't, not ever really sure if we truly belong. And maybe some of you might feel that way. Perhaps you weren't brought up in a Christian family and, and so you're not sure if you truly belong. And you might be a bit worried this church is a new thing for you and so you come along and you're, not, you're a bit worried you might say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. I've actually noticed that um, we, we've been away a bit, of course, and uh, 
we always look for a church to go to. So we look at websites of different churches and try and work out what church we're going to go to that Sunday. And um, often I've noticed lately some churches have on their website, I think, what to expect when you come to church? Because people um, haven't had the experience of coming to church and what should I wear? What should I? What time should I turn up? Except, what should I bring? And I've, I've never. That's a new thing that I'm noticing on websites today. Um, but some people just feel that they're worried that they're not going to say the right thing and do the right thing. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Or maybe you were brought up in a Christian family and you used to always come along to church, but then you rebelled against God. And maybe you feel that. Yeah, because of the things that you've done, you know in your head that you're forgiven, but you still feel as if there's something keeping you from being a full part of God's community, of, of his children, and you feel that you don't deserve to be a part of it. And so you feel like you just want to stay on the outer. Well, we need to hear this, and we need to understand this. At one time... We were children. We were minors. That means we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Sons like the ugly duckling? Sons like Cinderella, no, full sons, full adoption, full rights, full privileges, heirs of the Father. And verse 6 says, and because you are sons, God sent, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Do you know what that means? Abba, no, it's not the super Swedes. Um, and some of you are too young to even know who the super Swedes are. Um, Abba was the Aramaic word. Aramaic's the language that Jesus would have spoken in his day. And it's the Aramaic word for dad. Abba, father. It's not a formal address. It's not the, the way that you would address a stranger. It's about familiarity. It's about having this closeness of relationship that, that a dad has with his son. Verse 7, so you're no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So how does all this happen? He's telling us we become heirs of God, we become sons of God, but how do we get so firmly brought in and established into God's family? It's simple. Through faith. Chapter 3, verse 27 says, For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, now to me, this passage is some of the most amazing and some of the most marvellous words that we'll ever read anywhere in the Bible. What it's telling us is how in the church, no Christian is better than another Christian. Oh yes, we have different roles, 
different responsibilities, different ministries, but not one of us is closer to God than another. Not one of us is sort of in the family of God, but doesn't fully belong. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Let me explain this. In verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Right? Now, now, let me tell you, first of all, what this is not saying. This is not saying that we're all the same. And it's not saying that there's no differences. What it is saying is that all of us, all of us who come to faith in Jesus Christ, all of us who are baptised into his name, all of us belong. And we belong together. And it's important that we get those two elements. All of us belong and we belong together. At one time, it was the Jews who belonged to the people of God, right? They were the chosen people of God, not the Gentiles. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we are all adopted as sons, Jew and Gentile together, men and women together, slave and free together, right? So it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter what sex you are. It doesn't matter what strata of society you come from. We are all adopted as full sons, as full heirs of promise. And what an amazing blessing this is for us to be heirs of God the Father. Can you think about the differences that he just outlined there? You know, what, about, what about a slave? How could a slave become a Christian? Now, let's, let's, let me be really clear here. Um, some people who, you know, atheists who hate Christians, hate God, they're always looking for things to discredit us and they go, oh, you Christians, your Bible, it approves of slavery. It says that slavery is a good thing. You know, it doesn't. What it recognises, it recognises that in the culture in which it was written, and there's cultures like this today, where slavery was a thing, where one human would own another human. And what it's saying is that if you, if you find yourself to be a slave and you become a Christian, well, that doesn't stop you from being a slave. It says, it, although it does give us the... the advice that if you have the means to buy yourself out of your slavery, by all means do it, because slavery is something that's always going to impact on you. But if you don't, if you're a slave, you, you won't stop being a slave, but you be the best slave that you can be for Jesus. And, um, but how could a slave who is somebody else's property, somebody who is owned by their masters, if I, if I was owned by my master, how could I then fully commit to Jesus? You see, for a slave to become a Christian, that didn't stop them from being a slave. For a Gentile to become a Christian, that didn't change their ethnic heritage. And for a woman to become a Christian, that didn't change her gender or, or make her genderless. This is about belonging. And it's about being a full member of the body of Christ. It's about belonging 
and it's about belonging together. No matter what our ethnic background, no matter what level of the social strata we're in, no matter what sort of employment we have, no matter what our sex. Yes, a literal slave, even though he remains a slave through faith in Christ, joins the family of God and fully belongs to the family of God. Even a slave can be a full member of the body of Christ. He says there's no male and female. Now, some of our modern translations of the Bible um, have made it a bit of a mission to try and change the scriptures in various places to, to try and make them sound more inclusive. But when we do this, we actually miss the whole point of what it's saying. If to soothe our sensibilities, we change the scriptures to talk about sons and daughters of God, we miss Paul's whole point. There once was a thing which stopped people from being heirs, that is to be a daughter. And he's telling us that isn't a barrier. It wasn't a barrier in his culture. It isn't a barrier in our culture. To be an heir of God doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. There is no difference. God makes us all sons of God. We are all full heirs. And the Son of God, Jesus Christ, he lives in males and females. Jesus lives in you, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, by his Holy Spirit. And that's how we become full members of the body of the Christ, each one of us. For you are all one in Christ. But let's not get confused. I think we should pretty well know that oneness does not equal sameness. Uh, what a terrible church we'd be if you were all carbon copies of me. What a disaster that would be. Or what a, what a terrible church it would be if we were all carbon copies of Alex or of Margaret or of Scott or of Audrey. What a terrible church we'd be. What's it mean for us to all be one in Christ Jesus? Well, Paul talks about how we are together, the body of Christ. He talks about this in other places, right? I can't be the body without you, and you can't be the body without me. And the body of Christ, he tells us in other spots again, is unity in diversity. We have unity in faith. Unity and belief. We have unity. We are made one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we come together as the body of Christ. And yet we are all so different. And so to the church that Paul is writing to, there were some enormous differences there. Jews and Greeks. Now, I don't know if we realise how enormous that racial divide was between Jew and Greek. You, the Jew would not even eat with the Greek. There was the sociological divide. Can you imagine what it would be like having a church where there are slave masters and slaves within the one congregation? Can you imagine the differences that that has in society and the differences between men and women? That's what it was like in Paul's day and here in St. George, some are white, some are black. 
some are employers, some are employees. One of the biggest differences, some are bushies and some are townies. Some are men and some are women. Some are young and some are old. Some are fit and healthy and some are at death's door. Some are of sound mind and others are really struggling with their health. And yet in Christ, we are all brought together as one. And if any one of us is missing, then part of the body is missing. And even when God gives us spiritual gifts, there is unity in diversity, which tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are all different and we have different spiritual gifts. But together we are one in Christ. So when God gives spiritual gifts, some will have the gift of healing, but not everybody will have that gift. Some will have a gift of preaching and teaching, but not everybody will have that gift. Some people will have a gift of prophecy, but not everybody will have that gift. Some people will have a gift of speaking in other languages, but not everybody will have that gift. Some will have the gift of serving. Some will have the gift of compassion. Some will have the gift of praying. Some will have the gift of helping. But not all people will have the same gifts. We all have different gifts. And together, we are one in Christ Jesus. Sadly, this happens way too often. Uh, we humans tend to focus on the wrong thing, don't we? You know what the wrong thing is that we most often focus on? Ourselves. Ourselves. And sometimes we focus too much on ourselves and make this passage about us. And when that happens, we start comparing ourselves to others. And we tend to see it as a hierarchy thing Oh, I'm equal to you, you're not better than me. And, and when we start thinking in that way, start thinking in terms of roles. All right. So if I have a role of preaching and teaching in the church, that doesn't mean that I'm any higher than anybody else in the church. It just means that's the ministry that I've been called to. Um, or if you have a gift of being able to play music and are often up the front playing music or leading us in worship... Um, that doesn't make you any better than anybody else, and I know you know that. And so we tend to look at these verses sometimes when we focus too much on ourselves, and, okay, well, what does this open it up for me? And I've heard people use this very verse to try and justify same-sex marriage. And they say, if there's no male and female, and if we're all one in Christ, well, what does it matter who I marry? What a nonsense. That's not at all what he's talking about. He's not talking about sameness. Men and women are not the same. He's talking about how through faith, all the baptised into Christ Jesus belong. And we belong together. My heart grieves... Um, sort of a more modern outlook in the church is where we try to create little boutique churches. You know what I mean by that? It's like, it's where we make up a church and, and say, well, this is a church for a certain segment of the community. 
And if you don't belong in that segment of community, well, you're still welcome to come, but we're not, we're not aiming at you. We're aiming at a certain segment of the community. And so you feel like you don't really belong, right? So in the deep south of the US, you might find some churches for white folk, other churches for black folk. Now, we would probably find that appalling because that's not in our culture. And I find that appalling. But I'll tell you what else I find appalling is if a church claims this is a church for all the young people, right? We're aiming for the young people. And, you know, if you're old, you're still welcome to be here. But don't get upset because, because if we make you feel not at home because we're aiming at the young folk. Or if you have a church for the blue-collar workers versus... And, and, have a church for blue-collar workers here, church for the white-collar workers over there. Or if you have a church for those who have a certain spiritual gift, if you don't have this spiritual gift, then you don't really belong in this church. Or you might have a church, this is the church where the Indigenous folk go, this is a church for non-Indigenous folk over here. Or you might have a church where we have mainly business people and professionals in this church and the unemployed people, well, you'll fit in in that church over there. I find all of that absolutely appalling. Absolutely appalling. The Christian church means we all belong. We all belong. And we all belong together. You see, we're not supposed to focus on ourselves. The focus here, what's, what's Paul's focus when he's writing here? It's pretty obvious. His focus is on Christ. The focus, our focus, should always be on Christ. Always. It's not about us. It's about Christ. Verse 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Verse 27. For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. Verse 28. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ, into Christ. Put on Christ, one in Christ. It's not about us. It's never about us. It's about Christ. And it's about his body. It's about being his body. It's about being one in Christ. And I find this to be an immense joy. Does anyone else get an immense joy being in the body of Christ? Now, I'm glad some of you are nodding. Sometimes when I sort of ask questions like that, I look and I see a beaming smile. Yes. But you know what you all look like at the moment? I'm assuming you look like that underneath. Oh, yeah. Preach it, brother. <laughs> So it's not about us, it's about Christ. And there's an immense joy in that. To be one in Christ and to belong together. There's a joy in that, isn't there? To belong together. I, I'm really overjoyed to belong together with you guys. Um, I've told you in the past when we visit churches, we, we, um, you know, we walk into a church and we don't know these people and we just feel that we belong there. Didn't have that experience last week, but we won't go into that. Um, but we belong together in Christ. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be adopted into your family. What a privilege it is to be a son of God and to be an heir of promise. Lord, we thank you for the gift of faith, for the faith that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we've been able to be baptised into Christ and put on Christ, and so we are one in Christ. And Lord, we thank you that you have filled us with the spirit of your Son, that we may call to you, Abba, Father. You are no stranger to us. You are our heavenly dad. Lord, help us to live as one in Christ Jesus, to be people who are very different to each other and yet together, to bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.